Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Today is the third and final part of our three-part series. On the first day, we went over what this Packers team could look like if we knew that they were going to make a Super Bowl run in 2023. Yesterday, we took a look at the exact opposite, the exact other extreme, and what would happen if they actually finished last. What would that look like? What would have to transpire for that to take place? And today, we're going to be going over our more realistic expectations, and I'll kind of go over what I think is going to happen, my prediction, and kind of give some reasons as to why I think it's much more likely that something happens somewhere in the middle. And we see, you know, a relatively similar season to what we saw a season ago. I'm actually going to bring up one previous Packers season that I'm really sort of hoping that it mirrors as well. We'll get into that more in just a moment. But as we go through all of these different Packers multiverses, yes, maybe there is a world and a multiverse in which they win a Super Bowl and a championship. I think those are probably few and far between. Maybe there are a couple multiverses in which they finish last and end up with the first overall pick in the draft. I think those are few and far between. So today, let's ultimately look at what is more likely to happen in this multiverse, in this world, in this upcoming Packers season. So just to sort of recap a little bit, I talked about yesterday, the Packers right now win shares via Vegas, and that's not exactly a prediction. They're trying to get you to bet on that number, either you know over or under, and they're sort of moving the line based on that. So it's not an exact predictor, but right now the over under for the Packers and their win total this season is seven and a half games. Now, if we sort of take a look at that in comparison to what their schedule looks like, before we get to the team by team, what I will say is I do think the schedule plays out relatively nice. I don't think it's an extremely hard schedule by any means. There's extremely limited travel. They actually net positive days of rest, which means they have more rest days prior to the games than their opponents do throughout the course of the season. They have no three-game road trips. There's no incredible back-to-back where you go all the way West Coast, all the way East Coast, and then back to the West Coast or things like that. It is a very simple schedule at like every key indicator that you could have, whether it be travel, distance, 
distance, back-to-backs, road games, all those sort of things. So that stacks up well. We never quite know what the records are going to be for some of these teams, and maybe it just happens to be that the the teams that the, the you know that right now we're expecting to be bad, maybe the Buccaneers or the Rams or things like that, end up being really good. And it's just tough to predict that right now. But if we look at this, you know, the schedule in comparison to the win totals that they're expected to have. This is what you end up with. So first of all, this is their schedule. At Bears, at Falcons, Saints at home, Lions at home, at Raiders, at Broncos, Vikings at home, Rams at home, at Steelers. And then you get Chargers at Lions at, or sorry, Chargers at Lions, Chiefs at home. That's the first like three game stretch where I'm like, okay. And even if we like take that back a week and at Steelers, at Steelers, Chargers at home, at Lions, Chiefs at home, and then we can even expand it one more at Giants. I think that five-game stretch is probably going to be the real difficult portion. I think prior to the Steelers game, that Bears, Falcons, Saints, Lions, Raiders, Broncos, Vikings, Rams stretch has a lot of winnable games on it. Then you get to that at Steelers, Chargers, at Lions, Chiefs, at Giants stretch, which is much more difficult. Then you end with Bucks at home, at Panthers, at Vikings, Bears at home, and another, I think, winnable stretch. Maybe they can pick up three out of four in that round. But overall, it's not the most difficult schedule in the world. There's only one team that you look at on this schedule right now, the Kansas City Chiefs, and say, okay, that one's going to be a a bear to sort of win. No pun intended, Chicago Bears fans. But uh, that's going to be a very difficult game to weather, even if it is in Green Bay, even if they do have some advantages going into that game from a scheduling standpoint. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Chiefs-Packers right now is going to be hardcore advantage Chiefs. And maybe you could put the Chargers in that category, maybe put a couple other of those teams, but I don't look at any team outside of Kansas City and say, that's just an unwinnable football game. I think Kansas City, very, very difficult. Everyone else, I think, is winnable for this Packers team. Now, if we look at that in comparison to win shares, where Vegas has these teams sort of plotted out right now, there's only one team that they play that is expected right now, or at least has a lower win share, or, you know, predicted wins right now than the Packers. That's the Tampa Bay Bucks, who has uh, right now the over/under is 6.5 wins. All right, there are six games in which the opposing team has the exact same win, you know, total right now, projected win total at 7.5. The Bears, the Falcons, the Raiders, the Rams. The Panthers and the Bears again are the six games that have the exact same, you know, win totals per Vegas right now. And there are 10, you know, teams that they play or 10 games that they play that the opposing team is expected to have more wins than the Packers this season. So kind of how I, you know, kind of break that down. Let's just say they win the game that they're expected to win. That Tampa Bay game at home, they go 1-0 and in the games that are expected to be less wins than them. Let's just say those other six, the ones that have the exact same record, you have at Bears, at Falcons, at Raiders. Unfortunately, a lot of these are wrong road games, but Rams at home, at Panthers, Bears at home. So you have six of those games that are against teams that are expected to be right around the same, at least per Vegas. Let's just say Green Bay has a pretty good run in those six games, even though some of those are on the road, and they go four and two in those six games. And then they have 10 games against teams that are expected to have more wins. First of all, let me just say this. The Saints are on there at 9.5 as one of the top teams. Like, 
I'm going to bet the, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to bet, I'm not a betting person overall. I'll place a bet every now and again. I am betting under Saints 9.5. That seems to be an insanely easy bet to me. I'm not a huge, you know, Derek Carr believer. I don't think that team is going to be in that, you know, nine plus win total at all. So I, I expect them. I actually, if you would have asked me prior to looking at the numbers, I would have very much expected the Packers to have a higher win total than the Saints. So that is one that I am hammering the under on. So take that for what it's worth. Never trust me for gambling advice. Let me say that to begin with, but that's one I'm definitely going to pound the under on. But overall, they have 10 games where the teams are expected to have more wins per Vegas. Let's just say they have a rough go of that and they go three and seven in those games. So one and oh in the game, they're expected to win four and two in the even games and three and seven in the games that are against what Vegas thinks are tougher opponents. What do you end up as a record with in that situation? Eight and nine. Their exact same record that they had from a season ago. And that eight and nine record in 2022, I think there's a lot of interesting things to look at as we start comparing and contrasting that 2022 team to the 2023 roster. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's going to clearly be the one that everyone is most concerned about, right? You are going from a four-time MVP, Hall of Fame quarterback to a first-time starter. How in the heck are you expecting things to be even equal or better than they were a season ago? And I think the simplest answer here is Aaron Rodgers just didn't play that well a season ago. And for those of you who, you know, who believe that that is due to the thumb or the ribs or poor receivers or anything else, that's all fine and well, but it doesn't change the fact that it wasn't a very good season from an Aaron Rodgers standpoint. He completed 350 passes on 542 attempts, 64.6% completion percentage, 3,695 yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a 91.1 rating, good for 17th in the NFL. All right. Alex K., who writes for Bleacher Report, went through and put projections together for every quarterback in the NFL. This is not a Packers homer. This is not a Packers writer. This is a NFL writer for Bleacher Report who put all the numbers together and put together a, you know, what a projection for Jordan Love, what he thought he would put up this upcoming season. This is Alex K's projections for Jordan Love this season. 64% completion percentage. Roger said 64.6. 3,791 yards for Jordan Love. Rodgers had 3,695. 24 touchdowns. Rodgers had 26. 12 interceptions. Rodgers had 12. And an 89.7 rating. Rodgers had a 91.1. So a slightly less completion percentage, ever so slightly, a handful of more yards, two less touchdowns, same interception, very similar quarterback rating, probably right in that 17 to 20 range. The point being here is that the odds are that Jordan Love can have at least a very similar season to what Rodgers did a season ago. Now, for anyone who wants to listen to that and say, oh, Andy's saying that Jordan Love is as good as Aaron Rodgers or maybe even better. No, no, I'm not saying that. Do I expect him to come in and be as good as Aaron Rodgers overall, the Aaron Rodgers that we've seen over the past decade plus? No, I'm not expecting that at all. But do I think Jordan Love can have similar you know, productivity in, in production as what we saw Aaron Rodgers have a season ago when they went eight and nine? I really do. If I were to you know, put together a projection for Jordan Love, I would say about 62.5% completion percentage, 3,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, same as Rodgers had a season ago. I think the interceptions are going to be higher. I'd put that closer to about 16 interceptions, right around one per game with an 85.9 rating. That's what I would ultimately place it at. But the whole point here is that statistically, 
it is really not that different. If we start looking at the love projections to what Rodgers did a season ago, in fact, it is almost eerily identical to one another based on what we're looking at for Jordan Love this upcoming season and what Rodgers did a season ago. Next thing I want to talk about here, and one of the reasons I'm much more bullish on this team in 2023 is because of the offensive line a season ago. I mentioned yesterday, I went back and watched week one, and the week one starting offensive line was Yash Nyman at left tackle, John Runyon Jr. at left guard, Josh Myers at center, Jake Hansen at right guard, and Royce Newman at right tackle. Just not great. Let's just say that it's not great. Here's the thing that I want to talk about overall with the offensive line though. Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Jake Hansen were borderline terrible. Not bored, they were terrible a season ago. And the hope here is that Royce Newman won't be getting snaps in 2023. That Jay, I don't think Jake Hansen makes the roster in 2023. And I do think you know Josh Myers is going to be better in 2023. How much better? I'm not super confident in, but I do think he's going to be better. I don't think he's going to be terrible in 2023. I think he'll be fine slash okay. If he can be fine slash okay, that's still a real positive step in the right direction. Furthermore, David Bakhtiari only played 11 games a season ago. And those first handful of games, you could tell he was still getting his legs back under him. And really, you know, he, he was not bad by any means. He was still good, but he wasn't like prime David Bakhtiari. We saw a much better David Bakhtiari as the season went along until he had the appendix stuff, whatever. But he only played in 11 games. If he can play in 16, 17 games this season, that's going to help a ton for this offensive line. Elton Jenkins only played in six of the first eight games a season ago. And in those six games, he was really, really bad. Really, really bad. Coming off the ACL, playing then at right tackle. He finally moves back to left guard after taking a week off. And then everything clicked again. And he looked like Elton freaking Jenkins right after that. I expect 16 to 17 games of Elton Jenkins playing at that high level that we saw in the second half of last season. All right. I think John Runyon Jr. in a contract year plays much closer to the player that we saw have a really good season two seasons ago than the one we saw last year who really struggled. And Zach Tom played really good football, especially for a rookie in the last five games of last season. And I think Green Bay has found something there as well. And if we look at the overall offensive line grade per my grades last season, negative 12.65, negative 12.65, a awful grade, an awful, awful grade for that offensive line. If healthy, David Bakhtiari should be about a plus 10 on his own. Elton Jenkins should be about a plus eight on his own. I'll put Josh Myers as a negative three, John Runyon Jr. at a plus two, and Zach Tom and Yash Nyman combined at a negative one, even though I think it's going to be better than that. We'll just be safe. If that's the case, plus 10, plus eight, minus three, plus two, minus one, that is a total of plus 16.0. Last year, negative 12.65. I cannot stress to you, we're not going to get into the full minutia of the grades right now. I cannot stress to you how much different that that would make things in 2023. If you go from a massive swing where they played really bad football for a good portion of last season to being a really, really good offensive line, that will change everything on offense. And I think that is a real real opportunity and something that can actually happen this upcoming season is that offensive line plays immeasurably immeasurably better than they did a season ago. Furthermore, on my furthermore, is the quarterback position last year plus 0.75. I think Jordan Love can beat that this year. In fact, his was plus 0.55 of that in very limited playing time, but I think that can be better this year. 
Running back plus 7.75 a season ago, I would expect that to be around the same, but Aaron Jones can have plus eight, plus nine seasons on his own, and Dylan is usually a plus positive as well. I actually think that can be better in 2023. Wide receiver was a plus 0.1 with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs the way that they're looking right now. I think that has the ability to be better this year. Tight end plus 1.05. That one might seem easy to beat. I think that's going to be worse. Mercedes Lewis was a huge part of that in large part due to his blocking ability. I think there's going to be some really poor blocking at times from Kraft and Musgrave as they learn their craft. And I think that is actually going to go down. So that's one I, even though I think they can get more production and productivity from a receiving standpoint out of that tight end group by far, I think the blocking is going to be significantly worse without Mercedes Lewis. So I'm actually expecting that one to be around the same, if not worse. Offensive line, negative 12.65. We talked about, I expect that to be massively better. Defensive line was plus 5.15. I would expect that to be around the same, maybe a little bit better. Edge was negative 5.05. I expect that to be well in the positive with the addition of Lucas Van Ness and the return of Rashawn Gary at some point. Linebacker was negative 7.1. I expect Quay to be better. I expect Devondre to play better. Um, Not maybe all pro level, but I think certainly somewhere between the two seasons that we've seen from him. Corner was negative 3.55. Jair can have a plus 10, 12, 15 season just on his own. I expect that to be better. Safety was negative nine. And that could be just as bad because you're starting Savage again. And there's a good chance that the other one, even though Amos had a really bad season, I think you know the opposite safety of Savage could still be just as bad. Maybe Rudy Ford doesn't have quite that surprise performance that he did in the middle of the season last year. So I think that could be as bad, maybe even worse. But overall, we're talking about maybe tight end being a little bit worse from a grade standpoint, safety maybe being around the same, a couple of these maybe being around the same. I think every single one of the grades from a position group standpoint from last year can at least be in the realm, if not better, in some cases much better like the offensive line than what they were a season ago. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. 
With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. The other thing I'll say is, all the players that they lost in free agency, and there were uh, some really good veterans on this team. We talked about Mercedes Lewis being a loss. Alan Lazard's going to be a loss if clearly you lose Aaron Rodgers. But all those players' grades combined last year were a net negative, even with Aaron Rodgers being a part of that group. So that has the ability to, you know, you see all those players leave and it feels like, oh man, how are they going to replace that? Those players that are incoming for those players don't have to be that great to maintain what this team was from a season ago. Furthermore, the rookie class looks really, really good. It's just in OTAs and minicamps, no pads yet, but early returns are very promising. You're going to see a full season out of Keyshawn Nixon as a returner rather than him having to take over midway for Amari Rodgers, who was brutal for the first half of last season. You're not going to see Razul Douglas in the slot anymore. Again, no Amari Rodgers returning kicks and punts. No Sammy Watkins sniping snaps away from younger, more talented wide receivers. The red zone offense should be much improved. They were awful a season ago. I think Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft are going to help with that a lot. I think the defense can be much better than allowing 5.0 yards on the ground from a season ago. I think TJ Slayton is going to have a lot to do with that. I know everyone wants to talk about Devontae Wyatt. Keep TJ Slayton in your mind. I think he is going to have a very big season for this Packers team and might be one of the biggest you know, breakout candidates on the team. I think you're going to see some legitimate second-year jumps from guys like Romeo Dobbs, which we've started to see already, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson, and that rookie group from a season ago. And I do think, as we talked about at the onset, that the schedule is much more favorable here as well than it was a season ago. I'm not talking about the teams that they play, but that road trip that they had to take to London and then, you know, road game after road game after road game after road game, like that just added up. And the bye week wasn't until way at the end of the year when they desperately needed one. That just really set that team back. And you could tell once they had that bye, they started to win and just play a little bit better after that, after they got their legs back underneath them. So that's not going to be an issue in 2023 either. On the flip side, I do think Jordan Love is going to be more turnover prone than Aaron Rodgers was just because Rodgers is the GOAT at not turning the ball over. I think kicker is still a huge question mark. Anders Carlson, if he leaves points on the board, that that's going to hurt this offense and their you know overall point production. Losing Alan Lazard and Mercedes Lewis, I don't think should get taken for granted. I think those were two really good players that really fit the Matt LaFleur offense really, really well. They were both really great blockers. And that's going to affect some of the little quick screens on the outside and the blocking for Aaron Jones as he bounces things. Mercedes Lewis was like a sixth offensive lineman out there. That's going to be something that's tough to replace. Safety is still going to be a major issue, although it was a season ago. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be that much worse. At the end of the day, they replaced a lot of veterans with a lot of youth. And with that youth can be an experience and just not sure how to respond to certain situations. How do you respond to adversity? It just takes time for players to learn how to really win in this league. And I think we're going to see some of those challenges progress as this season goes along. My overall prediction is something very similar to what we saw a season ago. An 8-9 season you know, what, uh, what I would say uh, a high degree of variance, you know, and, and some 
wins are going to be against teams that you wouldn't expect them to win. And some losses are going to be against teams that you would not expect them to lose against. And I think that's where we're going to see some of this high invariance. And we go back and listen two days ago to the episode where I talked about what things could go right if they were to make a run towards the playoffs of the Super Bowl. If more of those things hit right, hey, this can be a playoff team and maybe even surprise a team in the playoffs. I think that's within the realm of possibility. Go back to yesterday's episode when I said what would happen if they go three and 14 and end up being the worst team in football. If more of those things hit, that's what's going to ultimately happen is this is going to be probably a bottom five team in the league. And that's where you get this crazy variance. There's there's a multiverse where this team is a playoff team and a multiverse where this team is a bottom five team. That's what makes this season and this team such an insane mystery and why I am so freaking excited for it because we just don't really totally know what to expect. So what I'll sort of close by saying is, and I, I sort of mentioned this at the onset as well, but the season that I'm kind of thinking that this could mirror in a lot of ways is the 2006 season. Now in 2006, they were coming off an incredibly disappointing four and 12 season from a season ago. Now I think that was, I think 2006 was McCarthy's first year, if memory serves. So it, it sort of parallel, well, that was McCarthy's first year. This is Jordan Love's first year. You're not exactly sure what to expect. They're, again, they were coming off a massively disappointing season, four and twelve in that previous season. In this case, um, in in you know you're coming off a season where you were all in and you went eight and nine, lost your last game and, and didn't make the playoffs. Different levels of disappointing, but disappointing nonetheless. Here's how that 2006 season went. They lost their first two games to the Bears and the Saints. They opened with the Bears in that season as well. Saints, I think, are week three this year. They're week two in that season, but. They lost their first two games by a combined score of 60 to 27. Not a great start. Then they beat the Lions in week three. Then they lost to the Eagles and the Rams to start the season one and four. They bounced back a little bit after that, picking up two wins against the Dolphins and the Cardinals. They lost to the Bills. They beat the Vikings. And all of a sudden, they're four and five on the season. And like, all right, how is the rest of the season going to go? And things were looking okay. You know, after a four and 12 season, they were four and five. What happens after that? They lose three in a row to the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the Jets, including getting completely annihilated by the Patriots 35 to nothing and completely annihilated by the Jets 38 to 10. And all of a sudden they're four and eight. And the season is looking like it's going to spiral away and maybe it's another four and 12 season. But then they won their last four games of the year against the 49ers, Lions, Vikings, and Bears, and they finish eight and eight. And you know what they did after you know winning the, those last four games? That I think catapulted them the next season. The next season they went 13 and three and went to the NFC championship game. And I think those last four wins really gave them the confidence that they needed. This is a team that is going to have some ups and downs. There's going to be a high level of variance. We're not exactly sure what's going to transpire, but what we want to see from this team is the improvement, the growth, and them playing their best football at the end of the season. Whatever that record is, if they could have a similar end where they go on a four-game winning streak to help propel them and gain that confidence and hopefully have that carry over into 2024, that would be massive. That's what I'm looking for is if they, they, they can ultimately get better as this season goes along, progress, have these young players get the experience that they need and be a much better team in January 2024 than they started at in September of 2023. So, However, this ends up happening, three and 14, Super Bowl champs, somewhere in between, 
I want to see that growth. I want to see that improvement. And I want to see if they can ultimately get better as the season goes along. I think it's somewhere around eight and nine, but I'm super curious of what your record predictions are as well. So make sure to post those below. If you're watching this on YouTube, definitely going to be checking out those comments. So make sure to do so. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already. Also today, on the audio version of the Pack-A-Day podcast, if you're listening to this either on the audio version or on YouTube, Dusty Evely did a phenomenal interview with the one and only Mina Kimes from ESPN. That is huge, huge, huge. Go check that out. You're not going to want to miss that. I'm going to be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. Of course, we got you covered 365 days a year. I'll see you next time. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.